welcome inside the coach's room. Every week, we talk to elite coaches and backroom staff about their experiences, how they develop, and how they develop their players. The participants or from players are, that are born from the last month of the year narrow down when they get older. So they make sure, so that happens that they stop playing sure. the game of soccer because they have no success or fun. fulfillment or fun or yeah, acknowledgement yeah. or whatever. So they just quit playing soccer more than other kids. But later on, uh, because it's also in school, criminality, depression, suicide, Good, yeah. higher in the last months of the academic year. So that's like a, it's like a huge problem. Guido is an individual development coach that coaches at AZ Alkmaar and he is the founder of Born to Play. We discussed his journey and how he got into coaching and we discussed the relative age effect, which is a big problem and challenge in football, but not only in football, also in schools and even in society. Enjoy this episode with Guido Dendikken. Guido, welcome. Uh-huh. Welcome. Well, the podcast factory. We, this is our first session in an official studio. This is the first time I'm not hitting the buttons, but Kuhn. I can say there is a, re- like, a, what, what, what's a regisseur in English? A director. We have a director. That's cool. That's cool. Yeah, we're making steps. That's we're good. making steps. Yeah, for sure. For sure. And it's good to have you. We had you a year ago, I think. With Colin. With Colin, yeah. Yeah, it was a good session as well. Yeah, I think so too. And um, yeah, now you're back. Yeah, it's good to be back. You just stepped off the pitch, man. Yeah, yeah. literally. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, there, that's not a coincidence because I think every day that uh, that we would have this session, I will stop off the pitch. Yeah, well, so. because real quick, because you came in. Yeah, yeah, no, because you can train with Born to Play because you founded Born to Play. It's your company. You, you can tell a little bit more later, but um, you train six nights a week now. Yeah, we're open six days a week. Yeah, so um, literally, we are open. Seven Eleven. Yeah, <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah, it should be actually because we have different groups as well. Of course, when you have a business, you look for opportunities to do business, and uh, yeah, in the mornings you have like professional players, you know, that are free. Normally, kids are at school. Yeah. Then in the afternoon, then uh, yeah, the kids come out of school and they're available, and it started as a as a product that would be like additional to what the the kids are doing at their own club yeah and now we started the concept and uh, made sure that we have like full responsibility on the development of of players so we players are able to train six days a week if they like if they like it uh, they can also choose to do it two times or three times they can choose to be at uh, their own club and do additional training with us and it's like modular so uh, they can decide either they're doing skills training physical training uh, tactical training or like winning losing so like mental training so we have different sessions on each day uh, with certain teams that we work on so players can choose or parents can choose what their kid needs to put them in their environment that they can progress from there with yeah. certain levels every day that they can uh, yeah they can subscribe for so that's a yeah beautiful environment that if you would ask me 3 days uh, 3 years ago uh, would it be like this? I would say no. I was like, okay, my my school is like f- uh, full enough. I don't want to uh, grow and and Which develop you this. Mean, you mean you had groups on Saturday, so on Sunday, three different levels, for example. Yeah, we had the, we had the Fridays and we had the Sundays, and Fridays <coughs> were like for like uh, grassroots players and and selection players, and then the Sunday we had players that are from uh, like had the potential to go to a professional team or playing for a professional team or are like top of the country. So that's like the three three trajectories that we had on the on the Sunday. And uh but the trajectory for players that want to go to a professional club, we that like uh, expanded to like a program for six days a week. And uh, we started that this season and uh, yeah we're really happy with the way that progresses because normally at the club they get like you have you have big groups, so you have to divide your your attention to the amount of players that you have in a group, and what you have in a in a in a, uh, a club situation is that you always have like this team of ten players where sure. six players are good, uh, four players are you know uh, 
no, two players are like a little bit up there and two players are not good enough. But the, the two that are not good enough are not challenging the first six. So what we do with our, uh, with our uh, company is that we only focus on those six because we don't need 10 to fill the, to fill the team. And that's, uh, yeah, that, that's really interesting to see what happens if you uh, create an environment that you give a lot of attention, uh, professional support, but also the right resistance uh, every day. Uh, so it's really interesting to see how the skills of the uh, the players have developed over time and everybody's really enthusiastic about the progress that they made. So we're really happy with that the trajectory actually and uh, yeah, we're, we're expanding until next uh, for next season again. So we're really happy with the way that uh, everything has progressed and where we are now and yeah, the, 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 the passion of the players and the coaches that we have every day is uh, it's really uh, nice to see and are really a lot of moments that I'm on the pitch that I'm looking at like, okay, this is really the environment that I would like to have when I was a kid, when I was like in a small, yeah, yeah. you know, countryside in, in Zeeland. So that's, yeah, it's really nice to, well, to I see think an you're, experience. You're, I think you build a brand and uh, let's say uh, the, the academy uh, has a status now. Um, and I don't know if there are much other, let's say soccer schools that have the same status. Uh, of course, I think there are, are several very good individual coaches, but I think you build a whole environment now and you're building more so you can really sign up. You can even leave your club, train six days a week, uh, which which I think is very interesting. It's also disrupting uh, the football world in the Netherlands because I think there's another, maybe you know the name, or there's another academy in the east part of mm -hmm. the Netherlands did the same mm -hmm. and then you get this the old-fashioned club okay what's happening here so this is the new yeah. the new thing that's happening in Netherlands yeah Netherlands. yeah you have but of, of course you have some some in in Amsterdam as well that like they took over a club you know so yeah. they, like took that's over a different the, thing yeah that's different than what we do uh they're they're like there are some soccer schools that just said okay let's uh Let's take over a whole club. There's a club not running very well. We make Financial sure that, issues, whatever. Yeah, from from our point of view, we make sure that they get good players and that we like take it take it over. Uh, but then you like destroy the whole culture of the club. And if you go, if if you're away and you leave, then everything like des is destroyed. It's and it happened yeah. a few times actually. So for for me, I was really clear on the fact that I wouldn't do, do something for for uh, in in that part, and that we would integrate with a, like with a club that would be like a logical thing to do. But then we need to to add something to the club to make sure that when we leave, that that stays, and you know they're not uh, fully dependent on our uh, on our stay there. So I think that's really important to to feel that the club can grow, and even when you go, that that you can leave something that you can be proud of, yeah. and you don't. It also does, it, it makes the club, not it, it doesn't make the club vulnerable. Yeah, exactly. They are the club, and you are the additional service almost. Yes, exactly. Yeah, okay, very good. And you are even an additional service for players from the UK now. Yeah. Well, I don't know if it's now, but there was an example last weekend, which is pretty cool, I think. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Yeah, there was a player from Chelsea that came in to train for three, day, three days, Chelsea on the 21s. So, of course, it was good. It was a good practice for, for your English. For yeah, the, yeah, that's how it today. came up. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But that's um, something that you, well, that's part, let's say, almost of the pyramid, uh, that you've said that elite players let's say top talents from, from the Netherlands mainly, but now uh, this is an, an, an example from England, mm -hmm. that come to train additional to their, let's say, professional uh, professional contract or club or whatever. They come one, two sessions a week just to, to touch up their technique. I think it's a good experience for those guys because it's so different than what they're used to at the, the club because there are a lot of clubs that do great work in, in you know, uh, building a program to to make sure that teams will develop, that players will be, that player uh, are fit, that they uh, have the right work ethic, that they're professional, but the individual work is like really hard to uh, to organize for a club. So if I have a player coming in and it's it's like actually every every level it's always they have to adjust be, and they never did something um, that they're doing with me they never did it before 
I hardly ever see a player that did stuff that they do with us before they came, uh, f- before they come to us. So the progression that we made in three days was like ridiculous. He was like uh, uh, telling that them himself. It's like I never did this, and you feel every session. The the day one, day three is like change. So he feels like he's more comfortable on the ball. Uh, he's sh- shooting, the, you know, the aim of the shot, the confidence in the shot is is better. So you see the the moment that he get, gets into the situation that he's like hungry to show because he's confident. Cool. Yeah, and and I think uh, like uh, maybe eighty percent of the things that we do is building confidence for players that they can uh, have the that they have the feeling that they can rely on certain skills that they can make the difference. That if you if you go to the to the wrong leg and you're you have a shot that you are confident that you're shooting on the goal and the confidence comes from preparation and i think uh, the 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 specific training the specificness of the training that we provide make sure that 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 they have the confidence to execute it in the game so I, it was great like uh from uh Eli dasa i was a former player for vitesse he, he uh he shared with me a video uh, that he plays he's played for spartak uh, moscow right now and he had like a dribble coming in of like third, I think, uh, 30 meters of the goal shooting with the left leg. I think one year ago, he wouldn't even get it into his head to make that shot. Cool. And now you saw full confidence, top, you know, top bins, you know, so he shared it with me. It was like uh, getting getting crazy. And I think, yeah, the, the, the part of doing it and feeling confident in, you know, the execution, that's like 80% of the work, you know, in, it's in not only sessions. the skill. Yeah, well, it, it, I I can completely imagine. But in those sessions, do you focus on, let's say, a specific element and a specific weapon, or is it more in general that he feels comfortable in multiple situations? Is it like, for example, is it like the are you teaching like the Robin move? Okay, this is your weapon. Go inside and shoot. Or is it like constantly changing situations? So it doesn't matter what the situation is anymore. It's like, um, I think there are two things that you need to take into account. You, you try to make them as um, uh, full-sided as possible on the ball. So you make sure that they have like all kinds of possibilities on the ball and they feel that they have all kinds of possibilities so they can adapt to every situation and be unpredictable. You don't want to be a predictable player. So what we do that we give them a lot of... Uh, cognitive skills and challenges that they need to adjust and 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 adapt to make sure that they have a certain adaptability and and um, unpredictability in their in their game. And on the same time, you see that there's like a certain identity of a player that you want sure. to get to the next to the next level again. So, for instance, uh, shooting. Some pl- sometimes a player has a certain way he shoots. I'm not changing that. I'm not saying, hey, listen, you shoot in this way, but from now on, we're going to shoot in this yeah, way. Yeah. That's not what I do. I, I look at the, the type of shot. I look at the, the, the complexity of the execution. Sometimes, you know, some players want to shoot with a dip the other ones is like more with a, a bend I'm not I'm not changing a lot with it but I'm trying to per- perfectionize the the way he does it so he feels more confident and like the 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 the, the preparation on the execution is better like the the direction of the dribble the 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 the, the connection with the goal sure. before shooting whatever his, um, maybe his angle is a couple of degrees better he has let a couple half a second more time Steps, a- steps in between, getting your balance into the ball. Uh, yeah, that doesn't tell anything about like the the way you try to to to, to connect it, but it 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 says a lot of the uh, the the like it's like uh, like scientific almost. You know, uh, getting your body weight behind the ball to make sure that you pressure it more. The, those logical things that they compl- they directly feel the benefit of the things that we're doing. And I think that's coaching, that you feel that when I give the, the certain tip, he's like, okay, oh, yeah, okay, yeah, yeah, I feel this. And then, okay, try it. And then, okay, yes, this this is working, actually. And they feel that they don't need to change or do something that they never did before, but they, they, they feel that the thing that, that they are doing is getting better. So they, they stay true to their yeah, identity, but make sure that they execute it in a better way, and 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 that brings confidence. And the confidence, yeah, yeah that that's that's the thing that makes everything uh, a tick, and make sure that they're on the Why? on the on the field and and feel rel- relentless. You know? Why? Why is that so important? Because most of these players are already on a high level, yeah. but they need that push, or well, they need it helps. Let's put it like that. 
the thing you want to to uh, to have is that the player is not thinking anymore when he's on the pitch. He just wants to feel and enjoy the game. You're, you, if you experience a certain flow when you're in the game, I think you had it as well. I had it as well. I, I think everybody that played the, well, the my soccer. flow is just I was I was following the attacker. That yeah. was my flow. <laughs> okay, and okay. once he got the ball, that was my moment. <laughs> yeah, okay. But sometimes you have uh, you have a game that everything like flows and like every touch is good, and you know you you feel that everything is just happening, you know. And the only way to get there is not to not to think anymore. And how how are you gonna get in a situation that you're not thinking anymore? Just be in the zone, and that's true pr- preparation and and ready, readiness. And the, that readiness is something that you can train and get your whole. You know, everything has to has to uh, fall into pieces when you get into a game. And and of course the the whole game situation and the the way a team is is uh, working together also makes sure that you get into that zone. But the real pros, and that's the, the the thing that distinguishes a good player from like an average player, is that like a top player uh, is is able to 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 set the the bar himself and to make sure that if the the environment is not is not in the in the best way, he still is able to uh, to create chances and to make difference. And where the the usual good player. Uh, he will need the team to perform in really good order, and uh, and like top players like Ronaldo, for instance, making so many goals, uh, you they don't can need perform the no team. matter what. Yeah, yeah you yeah, don't need yeah. the team. Uh, Zlatan Ibrahimovic scored in every team, you know, uh, scored in every team that he played in because he was like relentless. He, it doesn't matter who's playing, I make sure that I, you know, that I make the difference. So he had like the the certain fundamentals and the identity and the personality to to make sure that he will take this game into his own hands and uh, and and you don't see that a lot that's something that you need to build on and i think uh, uh, doing some specific training can can really build the confidence of players of on relying on those skills and not being relying dependent on on other players in the uh, in the game yeah and i think the way that most coaches not even it's not even wrong but the way the the system is now that it's all team oriented mm. that let's say in most of the time as a coach you don't have time or let's even the you don't have time you don't have the numbers to do this maybe they want to but you just can't yeah. because yeah if you have a 16 players in front of you and you want to go maybe more towards the small details then you just can't no yeah. No, you always have to divide your attention on on cooperation or individual performance. And sometimes you pick individual performance. Sure. Most of the time you pick uh, uh, collaboration because it's more effective to coach a whole team than one individual. Because if you're coaching one individual, the attention to all the rest is is gone. So what you do is that you focus on those guys that you think that make the difference. So, So there's like a deviation in how many attention certain players get because yeah, you, you're more dependent on those players to make the difference for the team, and if they're performing well, the team is performing well, yeah. and the team. But they also need the team to get into the right performance environment, and if yeah. they're not, yeah, the, how how do they cope with that? Are they like arguing with the teammates? And that's really really important, and I think that it's really important for clubs to to cover that really well. That if a player is like not getting in the right zone because of his opponents, what is he doing at that moment? And most of them shut off. Like, the players, okay. you mean? Yeah. I think most of the coaches as well yeah. in those situations. Yeah, but they shut off and they're like, okay, I'm not getting these balls. Uh, uh, they're only playing long balls and I, I want to get the ball on the feet. So I, you know, shitty game. That's yeah, what happens but, sometimes. Yeah, and I think also most coaches then think, okay, well, he's not a team player, so... There's either, let's say, a punishment or you don't get the attention while these guys are most, or, or girls, or whatever, these these players need the attention because they probably can make the difference if you if you touch upon them the right way. But I, th- I think <clears> that's, <throat> that's like one of the most important things that you should do as a coach. You should bench the ego as, as, as quickly as possible. So make sure that the ego doesn't uh, pressure the team. And you see well-performing teams... Um, doing this. If you look at uh, Manchester United right now, uh, when uh, Erik ten Hag moved there, they had, they had uh, some issues in the beginning. 
yeah, made sure how we wanted to play with a team, made sure that everybody committed to that and everybody that didn't commit didn't fit the team. And that was pretty clear in the beginning. And you see what happens during a season that the team starts performing and it's 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 getting better than uh, than everybody expected and everybody's enjoying the game and they're not thinking about uh, all the things uh, because they're like together, they're one. Yeah. And but I think, I think there's uh, one step in between because... And the easy way, a lot of coaches will say, okay, you're not fitting into the team, uh, I'll cut you and, and somebody else will take your place. But there is a, a step in between, mm. I think, which is learning players how to be part of a team, which because maybe that creative talent that is more focused on himself, who can make the difference, needs to learn how to work in a team. Mm -hmm. So it's an easy way for you yeah. as a coach to say, okay, sorry, you don't fit. I don't like your face. You're gone. Mm -hmm. Or you say, okay, I'm going to work with you. That's mm -hmm. a completely different approach. Yeah, and, and and I think the thing that you're trying to tell is that also the, the, the personality of the player is really dependent. And that's something that you should build on, you know, to make sure that the player has a certain mindset that he wants to... Uh, perform, you know. I I'm a real, like a real Kobe Bryant fan, you know, uh, with everything that's that he's going, that the way he approached the game is it's like not a normal guy. You know, it's like <laughs> like fantastic, you know. The, uh, the they have like a really good. Um, uh, re uh, last time I saw a really good documentary about uh, about him also in the like uh, going to the Olympics. And yeah, they had, uh, it's on Netflix. Yeah, on Netflix. It was, yeah, amazing, yeah, amazing. I saw it. Yeah. What's the name? I forgot the name, but then he came in. He was not even part of the group. He came in later. The he, whole part at the group was like, partying. I'm, I'm, I, he, he knew that he would be like the star, you know, and uh, how am I going to show the rest of the guys that I'm in it to win it and I'm a part of the team? Okay, first uh, first training, uh, you know, defending 100%, you know, running back and forth and, you know, showing that he has the work ethic to work for everybody. So he's like, okay, this is not the guy that we need to pass the ball to and he gets mad if he doesn't get the ball. He's working. He's one of us, you know, yeah. he, invests, he invests his time. But that's also like a mental, the, the mental part of that is like something that, that you have a plan to go to that uh, environment. How am I going to present myself in that environment? Uh, playing the game against Spain with his mates, yeah, you know, yeah, and then going to the hotel and then uh, one day before the game, going to the hotel and give him a hug and everything's all right. And then when the game starts, hey, guys, listen up. The moment he gets the ball, I know the play that he's going to make and he's going to, I'm going to, no, run he, through he's going to run, run through him. That mentality that you know where, what, what you're doing, the, the mental part, the, yeah, the, I think that's, that's, that's like something that I don't see a lot, you know, yeah. and that's something that we knew, need to get into the mind of, uh, of players to play those mental games and to get to the and next to teach, level. To and to teach them what it is to be an elite player. Yeah. Because this is, I think Kobe Bryant is an, Unique individual, and in football, you you named a few names who mm. are elite, elite, and I don't think you had to teach these players this. This mm. is natural, uh, whether it's from their use of whatever. But there are a lot of players that can learn or need to learn how to be an elite player, or how to be even a good player, or how to be a team player. Absolutely, absolutely, and I think that that the part of being like a, a youth talents or being like. Uh, uh, how do you say, a promising player for in youth football uh, that gives a certain status. And, and how do you cope with that status? And, and when you come, uh, when you made your debut for the first team and the next time, in the next day you have to present uh, yourself in the under-18s, what you're, what you're going to do? Are you going to be the guy that, you know, takes a walk and it's a little bit later? Or are you going to be the one that's uh, there and gets everybody sharp? And I think the, the mentality and... Uh, yeah, I, lo I love that part of the game as well. Are you going to be the one that's up there first or are you going to be the one that's later to see, uh, you know, to check out if somebody's uh, telling you something, you know? And um, I think I think but that, this is that everywhere part is because great. if you look, now you're talking about, let's maybe an elite example, but if you take it maybe three, four steps lower, 
at your local club. You are the 15-year-old guy who played with the U19s this weekend and you mm. go to school and you feel cool, whatever. Uh, well, that's where, I, that's where I was. I wasn't at the elites, but that's, those were the situations. That's also how you cope with that. Mm -hmm. uh, and this is what local coaches deal with. Okay, how do you keep those guys, let's say, that they become a valuable player of their local first team when they're 17 or 18 instead of losing, mm -hmm. losing everything or, or being overconfident or whatever? Yeah, winning those guys uh, is uh, if before you and understanding them and helping them to, to, to fit the team, you know, not to get bigger than the team. And then, and to make their contribution to the to the team effort as big as possible, I think that's a great challenge for every coach on every level to do that. And I think it's possible on every level as well. If I look at the the youth teams that I played for in Zeeland, you know, uh, you had the same dynamics as well, you know. And uh, and sometimes you had a coach that get everything together, and sometimes they're like uh, they're like egos within the team, and uh, and they didn't uh, match together, you know. So. I think it's really that's a challenge for everybody, and there's a beauty in on every level to get a, a team to to fit together and to make sure that they're not thinking and they're just enjoying the game and not thinking about I'm not passing to you or I'm not passing to you or he's not passing to me or uh, you know he doesn't help me or whatever. And those are all like things that you need to overcome to make sure the team performs well. And I think every individual has a responsibility to uh, to contribute to those to that uh, situation so that's what i tell the guys a lot we have a lot of players that go for the national team and i and then i always give one advice i'm like if you want to be uh, exceptional and different than the rest make sure that you make sure that the other players play better so when you're on the field you have uh, the quality to play because you're not selected because you're not a good player you're a good player but if you you make sure that you're on the pitch and the three guys around you play better because you're there you're always on the pitch first yeah. because the rest is better but but how do you make sure that other guys start to play better because you're there and uh, and that's that's i think that's like something that they can gain a lot. Uh, a lot of players can gain on that part, you know, making other players better and not, you know, uh, the guy that's not confident telling him that he, you know, he should play better. No, uh, give, saying the right stuff to make sure that he gets better and doing doing the work to 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 help and uh, and sometimes uh, make sure that somebody's on his toes, you know, if it's not uh, good and it's not on the level that you want it to be, let them know, you know, but there's also a part of, of, of getting more out of uh, other individuals, you know? Yeah, and I, I think there are a lot of examples of players that are good players, but could be so much better if they had a little bit more eye for the rest around them. Mm. But I'm going to go completely out of context here mm. because I have a book in front of me and we discussed some kind of structure. We completely lost it in yeah. the first 25 minutes. <laughs> no, that's good. that's okay. fine. That's fine. Well, I talk to you more more often, so I know this would, would have happened. So mm. no problem. But um, going back to Born to Play mm -hmm. uh, and maybe you, uh, when you, let's say, started out in football and in coaching, mm. Uh, you started out with the relative age effect. Can you explain a little bit um, what it is, mm -hmm. uh, how you discovered it or how you got to know the concept or, or the problem? Uh, and let's go from there. I discovered the problem of the, the problem. It is a problem. We'll come, come on that later. Um, I discovered the, um, the relative age effect when I was... Uh, playing in the youth academy and they uh, there was a guy in my class and he he went in a team and I wasn't in the team so and then they told me but I in my opinion and I think most uh, people's opinion I was a better player than the other How guy old would you then? but I I'm from uh, January Actually, so I don't have any excuse not no, being no, a but professional. But how old was, was this example? I, I think uh, I was like uh, 13, tw thir mm. 12, 13, I think, something like that. Okay. And there was a guy, he was uh, uh, one year uh, up on, on school, and he was, in, uh, he was born in December, like 20th of December or whatever. And I was from January. So he was picked for a, for a certain team higher than me. But in my opinion, I was a better player. But they said no. Listen, uh, it's because of the because of this year that we pick him, and you're from January, and you're from a different year, so you play in that team. It was because of the cutoff date. Yeah, the cutoff date. So yeah. I was like actually uh, thinking that I should play in that team, which was, was for in those years was halfway the season. It was like school yeah. year cutoff dates. Yeah, right? I didn't understand that they couldn't play, uh, put him down because he was from the other birth year, and if they put me up, they had like too many ah, players okay, in yeah, the yeah, team. Yeah, yeah, yeah. 
So that was like the, the the issue that I could play there, but he could they couldn't play them back, and it was like a, wasn't a really good a big club that they could like switch easily easily. But I didn't understand it. So that was actually the first thing that I experienced from my own experience, what the relative age effect did. And I didn't understand it from my point of view. Now, later, later on, when I was in my time at PSV, they showed me, you know, how big the, the influence of the, of the relative age effect was. Like, I think 70% was born in the first half of the year uh, within the youth academy at PSV. So I was like, okay. Because that is the relative age effect, right? Yeah. That a lot of players that are born early uh, related to a cutoff date, doesn't really matter where you put it. Mm -hmm. uh, players that are close to the cutoff date are relatively older. Yeah. Have, when they're young, they have a physical advantage mainly. Yeah, in Holland, the, the cutoff date is in the 1st of January. So the, so like uh, 80% of the players that play in a selection team are born in the first half of the year. I think like 50% is born or 50, 40% is born in the first th three months of the year. And it's like 5% chance if you're born in the last three months of the year that you're selected for a team. And why is that? It's because they always pick the the biggest guys. Because if you look at the game, you pick the guys that win the, the most duels, have the most impact on the game, most successful actions. And usually those are the older older guys, stronger guys, bigger guys, uh, smarter guys. And they're and like one year when you're like uh, seven or eight years old, I think if you have kids in those in those age group, you see... My kids uh, will never be professional players. <laughs> no. One is in September, one is the first of December. He's fucked. Yeah, 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 for sure. They're like one year is so, so much. If you look at your son now and like one, one year later, it's like a, a, a sick gap. So, um, so at PSV, I get to know it. When I, when within my time at uh, Ajax, I had the possibility to do research on the relative age effect for my study, and uh, yeah, the, I, I was like shocked about the amount of players that are born in the first month of the year. And we checked all the partner clubs, and also within the partner clubs, it was like the same uh, same amounts. So I was shocked by the fact, and so I, I understood really clearly that there are like a lot of players born in December Jan or, or November or September that that are really talented but are not uh, don't don't get the right context to to show them how talented they are. So we started born to play in 2014 with a cutoff date on on July. So we get players from the last month of the year uh, playing with pl players from a birth year earlier. And what happened on our pitch was you like, like amazing. countered the existing cutoff date. That's yes. what you did. Yeah, that's what that's what we did. And that was fun because when we started, we get players from like uh, Den Bosch and we get them from all from all around the, the country, country because yeah. they recognized the thing that we were doing to what they experienced with their son. So that's that's how it's started so we get pretty talented players from all over the country playing with us and uh, and and what happened was like we had like a, a player for like the first the 31st of december from 2007 and he was playing in the under 10 three at uh, afc amsterdam which is a big a big, very club. big good amateur club in but the, Netherlands. the third team of the under 10 one yeah so the, in their opinion there were Let's say at least 20 kids better. Yeah, not good for no, enough for the first team, not good enough for the second team. He was playing third team with like a parent that was coaching them every training yeah. and every game. There was another kid. He was born on the 1st of January 2008 and he was playing in the under 9-1. So, um, but seeing them on the pitch together, you know, same club, two days difference. And the, the boy from the 1st of January was doing tryouts at Ajax uh, we know was in the in the in the selection team at AFC. They were like talking about him that he was a talent yeah, and everything. Yeah. And in the pitch on the Sunday, they were like exactly the same level. So one is playing under nine one, and he gets all the attention, and everybody's talking, and he's doing tryouts at Ajax, and he thinks that he's going to be a professional player, and he that he will be an Ajax player, and they play, you know, be a professional player. And the other guy has no clue that he's talented because he's in the third team and nobody's looking around and they throw a ball in the middle and they say, uh, guys, uh, have fun. And and that's when I was like, okay, this is like ridiculous because these, this kid deserves exactly the same acknowledgement for, for his talent as the other kids, but completely uh, out of context. So um, so I, we started uh, fighting. We had, we had some... some, some uh, 
opportunities within the newspapers to 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 check out certain stuff uh, every time that I'm on on the course or I'm connected with the soccer union and uh, you know when I did my UEFA license, license a lot of talks about uh, the relative age effect and um, I had good contact with uh, Steve Lawrence that was like uh, the the guy that made like the Wikipedia for the sure. for the relative yeah, age yeah. effect and like a lot of experience with it that we we acknowledge that there's like a possibility to make sure that is like uh, will will be narrowed down to like half of the effect, or is like completely eliminate the effect. Before we go to the solution, yeah, um, I think it's very good to to make it a little bit more bigger or mm-hmm. the problem a little bit more clear because the thing you said is very important. Okay, the kid is born on the third of January is in the team. You can be in a good team or you can be in a bad team, but it becomes self fulfilling prophecy mm-hmm. throughout this whole let's say youth pathway yeah. because the if you're let's say in, in the right moment for the cutoff that you will have good coaches every year you will have a good coach mm-hmm. you will have good teammates so your development will go so much faster mm-hmm. but the boy that's not recognized as talent because he's maybe 10 11 months younger than the kids that he's playing with gets a parent as a coach he gets different terms. He get different facilities, and that's I think where the main problem is. Yeah, I'm gonna. It's gonna be more shocking than you realize. Um, what you see, what we also checked, is that there are um, the participants or from players are that are born from the last month of the year narrow down when they get older. So to make sure, this, so that happens that they stop playing sure. the game of soccer because they have no success or fun. fulfillment or fun or yeah, acknowledgement yeah. or whatever. So they just quit playing soccer more than other kids. That's happening. But later on, uh, because it's also in school, it's in every yeah, sport. It's in everything. It's in, yeah, every, yeah. It's in everything. That's good to ma- mention as well. Criminality, depression, self, uh, uh, self-killing, suicide, it, yeah. higher in the last months of the academic year. So all... Every, yeah, I know it was a so school, there are but more it's people yeah, yeah, yeah. that are killing themselves yeah. that are born in the last months of the year because because of like significant amount of numbers in that part. So that's like a, it's like a huge problem, and I think that it would it deserves like your uh, mondial uh, acknowledgement, and it's like a real uh, issue that that should be. Um, should be held in the highest priority, should have the highest priority within governments to make sure that this is like fully eliminated because it's like putting everything that players doing in, in out of context. Yeah. Coaches, sorry for the interruption. Besides the coaches room, I run another company called Football Tours. This is a full service touring company we organize pre-season and winter training camps for professional football teams. We do this for both senior and youth teams and we take care of everything. Hotel, training accommodation, friendly matches, whatever you need. We give youth teams the opportunity to train at the best youth academies of the Netherlands. Academies like PSV, Feyenoord, AZ Alkmaar and the KNVB you can train there with your team. So, if you are a professional coach, you need to organize your training camp. Or, if you have a youth team and you want to train at the best facilities in the best academies of the Netherlands, go to footballtours.com. And now, pay attention, tours is with a Z. So, footballtours.com. There are a couple of things that really got me thinking about this. Like I said, I have two kids, one of them is six, just turned football. And I work at the local amateur club. I just became the coordinator of, let's say, the players from, from six to seven, six and seven years old. And my boy is in uh, in a group. And uh, one of it was one of the birthdays of one of the players. I thought, cool. Oh, he also turned six, I thought. Uh, but I thought it was pretty big. But okay, yeah, there's a, my boy is not too big. But uh, no, he turned seven. And then it got me thinking, okay, if he turned seven already, my boy just turned six, uh, which means that he's almost eight months older, which means he has eight months more of experience in football on a life that maybe is two, three years of football. So that's like a 30% advantage. 
and we still judge them in the same way because probably he's much better. No, he's just has an advantage of eight months, which in his life is 30%. So that's one thing that was really shocking. Well, not shocking, was confronting because I was, I was counting the candles of oh, seven instead of six. Um, and then the other thing is that you, that you actually sent me was that like the squad of the U15s, uh, and you said it was very shocking. I saw the numbers. Yeah, 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 you're right, man. And then before we, we uh, to prepare on the session, I went through literally to the numbers. So you have years dividing for quarters. We all know this. So 16 players are born in the first quarter of the total of 23 players in the national U15 team. So 16. And the ridiculous thing was, and I don't, I didn't even write it down, it was too much, like five or six of them came from January. So, and then you have four that are born in the second quarter, and you only had three that were born in the third quarter, and two of them came from July. So, and the other one, yeah, so no I, players from the from the fourth quarter. We have, in the under-15s, we have like, 13 players that are training with us on like a weekly basis or, or doing uh, uh, things uh, working working with us. So um, uh, so we I know this squad very well. And uh, and the the funny thing is that the players that are born in the last quarter are like one meter ninety. So the 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 guys that they pick from the last month are like the biggest guys of the team as well. Uh, also, okay, yeah. so. So and based on physical based uh, compensation, physical, probably. Yeah. yeah. So so the, so if you're not from that age group, then you have to be big to to make sure that you get into uh, into in, yeah, into the squad. And um, I understand really good that uh, it's about winning, and the game will be about winning. And if you play the national team, uh, well, I don't agree because it's not what they say. Yeah, but I think the game of but soccer the eventually are based on winning. Yeah, for sure. If you play the if you play a European Cup and you're not selected, you get points. That's you get true. points as a That's country true. for winning. And if you do, and if you're losing, then you won't even be selected, or like they won't ask you to come for a game or to play a nice tournament somewhere in uh, Dubai because you don't have like there. It's not. Um, uh, they, they want the people in the audience want to be like uh, shocked about the the results, what they see, right? They want to see a winning team. They want to see a good performing team. And if you you have a boy from uh, December that is uh, that that is that's playing that you think he's good, but he loses every ball because he just gets crashed by a, like a January born guy that like crushes him because he's bigger and stronger. Then you're not gonna like the game because he's losing the ball, and you're not helping the guy from December for putting him in that uh, in that environment yeah, because his sure. confidence is crushed anyway because the team is losing because he's losing the ball. So you cannot explain it to, to everybody. So it's completely logical for me that they pick the well-performing players, and yeah, the results are shocking. That if you pick the well-performing players, that they're like all born in the first month of the year. It's like ridiculous numbers. But in my opinion, it's good to t to to select winning. But the context where they should uh, select those players that should be different. So make sure that you have like a a quarter two uh, national team. So make sure you pick the very best quarter two players of the country. Make a selection of that. Pick your very best quarter three players and give them the same uh, attitude, the same uh, status as a quarter one player. Is that, but, but to give a little bit of counter-argument also towards my own story, is that what they're doing with the futures? No, <laughs> they, they should, but they don't. <laughs> so so okay. the, 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 the idea of the future was to give like, um, yeah, to put certain players in, but there are like a lot of players that are born beginning of the year that like, okay. that, that are, it is more like a second team for, um, a, a second team for the first team actually, you know? So they pick the guys that are not ready yet and they put them over there. Yeah, I, I didn't go to the data. So I, maybe what I'm saying is, is it's not founded by any date. So I don't know, but... Uh, I, the philosophy should be or is probably that the biological age is less or uh, you are not matured compared to maybe you're the same player of your age mm. uh, or the, the, the players they, of your same age. The, yeah. the thing that they run into is, of course, that it's, it's hard to explain a guy that if you're like in, if you're in the futures team and the futures tells you that maybe eventually you'll be ready to get to the first team. That's what the future tells that we think that over a few couple of years, you'll be ready to. That's what they tell you when you're a yeah. future player. So they have to pick players that have that potential, but 
based on the performance that they have at that uh, that yeah, moment. Again, and again, the, it's a moment, sure. And then yeah. the, and and the the pick uh, players that are good now, but not good enough for the first team because it's. It's, it's weird to pick another guy that is, is smaller but not performing anywhere close to where the other guy is performing. Yeah. So I understand where they're coming from, but the context is like the thing that there's like there's the the, the possibility. That's the thing that they should uh, should change, in my opinion. Yeah, but the uh, the solution you were giving already <coughs> in between the lines is to create multiple cutoff dates. Mm-hmm. Uh, and that's is that part of the solution? What is the solution? There are what two is the solu- solution? Yeah, there are two solutions. I think, in my opinion, there one solution would be to uh, to make two cutoff dates, dates to make first uh, of January, first of July. Then you will halve the effect, so you make sure you'll have an effect. There's also, always going to be an there are going to be more players from January than from July, uh, from July still, but it will be less. And the 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 difference between July and and December born players will also be there, but it will be less. And if uh, amateur clubs are convinced to make sure that they that they organize their club in that order so to make sure that the under 9-1 under 9-2 under 9-1 is born first uh, half of the year under 9-2 is born second half of the year are you good enough as uh, for to play for the under 9-1 but you make sure that the selection of 20 players that you have is first half of the year second half of the year so you make sure that you have those ages correct and where you place the players doesn't ma- matter there are a few benefits of that. You make sure that they have uh, that you have those two selections. Uh, it's easier for a player from under nine one to go to the under ten two because the the age difference is smaller to get one year up and to go one year down. Yeah. So that's like a real benefit. So also if somebody's biologically a little smaller, you can easily put him back. So the the gaps between the sure. the, the teams is smaller. So that's like a big uh, uh, that has like a big influence. And the second part, and from in my opinion, it's the most hardest way to organize, but would be for sure the best way is to change the cutoff date every year. So to make sure that you have a uh, cutoff date uh, January, then go to the 1st of April, then go to 1st of July, yeah, so, then go yeah, 1st yeah, of quarters. October. Yeah, yeah. So what happens within when you're in a youth academy for eight years, you have been uh, the oldest, you have been uh, second quarter player, third quarter player, fourth quarter player. Uh, two times in eight years, eight years of your youth development. So that made sure. So what happens is that you've been quarter one player. So you have to make sure that you're lead mm-hmm. because that's what what happens a lot. You become important for the More team. More dominant. Yeah. You, you should show some leadership, take some responsibility, uh, be impactful, uh, make differences in game. But you're also one of the guys that has to walk on his toes for in, in quarter four. So you have experienced all those phases and you understand also where other players are coming from. I think that would be uh, the most beautiful way to organize it. And I'm for sure that if you would change the cutoff date next season to the 1st of April, would would make sure that January to March will be a quarter four team. That's what happens. Or you're gonna, some players are going to be crushed. There's players that are playing for a professional team that if you would put the cutoff date to the 1st of April, then yeah, they, they would lose. They would uh, be out of the team within a year, for yeah. sure. Okay, and I, I think it's... Okay, those are two steps. Um, the first one is, I think, a little bit depending on the numbers at the club and the context that you are. The second one is is, is much larger and much more complicated. Maybe I would like to add a third one, and that is look at the self-fulfilling prophecy that most of the clubs are creating. So that's that's maybe not shifting with teams, but shifting with coaches. For example, if you have a group of, well, again, I'm looking at the context of my own uh, uh, club now and I just rolled in, uh, but you have the best players, most of the time they're with the best coach. So you have 40 kids, the best 10 go with the best coach. The second 10 go with the second best coach. And even with that, without changing dates or rules or whatever, you could rotate coaches, which makes everything different, which gives another attention. Well, I don't even have to explain it. I think everybody understands. Uh, you have a first uh, team that has a coach. Let him coach the other teams. Rotate within age groups. Change. I don't, I'm not, I do not agree. Um because that's also no you should give everybody is the same no not everybody is the same 
but you can give everybody the same quality of coaching or the same quality of materials or whatever. And I think that's also very important. I agree to a certain extent, but I I think the responsiveness of the uh, of the uh, group that you're aiming at right now is like uh, normally really different. You know, we have certain levels. We have like uh, the soccer schools, like for the grassroots. We have like the se- selection. If we look at the the effectiveness of our training is like how, how how higher the level gets, how more effective the way we train is because they're uh, they, they you know they they focus, they are like spending attention, they're passionate for what they're doing. So the effectiveness of the things that we do is much more effective for the selection players than the other ones. And that's also, of course, that's because of they get quality coaching three times a week and the quality coaching on the Saturdays as well. And the other, you know, just ball in the middle and, and, and have fun. So I think that it will benefit it. But on the same time, the players should be uh, responsive for uh, the, the input that they get. And no, th- that's, that's true. But there's a very big difference in exactly like you said, you have a coach that wants to be a good coach or you have a parent that just wants to be that just wants to help. There's a difference in the guy who, 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 or how he or she prepares the sessions. If if she can connect with players, that has nothing to do with the knowledge or the, let's say, the training sessions. But the quality of connecting with players, the the getting a group to have fun, which sometimes is already hard for a lot of people. Those, let's say, the basics are are that that should be the same, and that's all not that's always never the same. Yeah. But it's hard because I have experience of we have coaches that are like semi-professional coaches that are working with grassroots players. But you see also that um, the input that the that the coaches want to give to a certain player also has to no, be in balance with the with the, with the the things that the player wants to do. You know, uh, we uh, do we are like uh, we are we are based at SV de Meer. It's uh, like a club in Amsterdam East, and it's like pretty uh, not a high level club. Sometimes and, and we let like one of the teams of SV de Meer train with us every Friday. But uh, this moment that we start doing like a serious coaching on how to, you know, uh, de- develop your skills, they're like, we're not going to, we're going to play a game. Yeah, yeah, no, that's completely, can I we agree, shoot, agree. Can we shoot on the goal? Can we shoot on the goal? Something like that, you know? Yeah. So I think it's really important to make sure that actually, I think you should divide on a certain extent because you want to get like the... The responsiveness of the players should be uh, good to make the the session and the the coaching effective. So that's something that I, um, I I disagree a bit because of the experience that we have with the you know the the players. But I completely uh, agree with the fact that it's like that the gap is getting bigger and bigger and bigger, and that there should be more quality coaching for players that have level uh, lesser level. But the commitment on, on, on improvement, that should be like, for, for us, uh, you, if we have the feeling that you're coming not to get better, then we're not coaching you. There's no space to train with Born to Play because yeah. you just, you can train with everybody, but you have to go to get to the session to get better. And it doesn't matter if you're playing for a great club or you're playing, a, you're a grassroots player, but you have to be on the session to get better. And else we say, okay, go somewhere else, you know? Yeah. yeah. And I, maybe I'm also exaggerating a little bit, but on the, the danger of a self-fulfilling prophecy mm. in that order and then mm. putting a player in, let's say, the lower regions of, of a group. That's where it's horrible. And I have another very, which, it's an astonishing example. It's Again, it's with my kids. My youngest son is from December. He went to school and there was a meeting at the school uh, after two weeks. I said, yeah, I know you have to uh, think that probably or maybe probably he will have to do another year in the first two. I don't even know what's called in English. So you have group one and two because he's from December and the cutoff date is to have January. And most of the time, these kids only have a year and a, and a couple of months in the first two year in the first two grades. So they will put him in next year. I said, what the fuck? He's at school two weeks. You already seen <laughs> that he's one of the lesser kids. So that's like it, it, the self-fulfilling prophecy already started before he even went to school. I don't know how good he is. I he's what it is. I don't know, but the way no the fact that it was said after two weeks they already put him in a box. So he's going to be here an extra year. Mm-hmm. It was astonishing. Yeah, and that's what happened. Oh, he always played in the third team. He's probably not a good player. So the self fulfilling prophecy. So take off the fucking lens and look at the paper. 
what's his budget and date of birth, uh, what's his background, how long is he playing football? All those things are they really really matter? Yeah, but it's uh, I think the approach is really interesting. I have a daughter as well, twenty twentieth of December, uh, born. Couldn't be different, of course. So, and and I think the approach is, is like how you approach it uh, in everything. Um, same, uh, there's there's uh, again a Kobe uh, situation that he was like uh, I think uh, on a list he was he, he, he there was a like a target list like they they would rate how good you are and he was like in the sixties. And he was on the 60s on the list, so like bottom of the list. And he would uh, look up all the players on the list and see what qualities they have and to to get better. No, so I think that, but that's from from the, from your side, or from that's from the personal side. But the context already mm-hmm. judged you. Mm-hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I think I think that uh, that happens. But I think the 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 way to approach it is really interesting. And the only thing to to eliminate this fact is just to 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 change the context on the way we approach players. Exactly, yeah, yeah. and that's uh, that's something that the soccer union should do. There's nobody, no other. Um, uh, organization that can change this. We cannot play uh, put players in. That, that happen. I've seen that happen a lot with uh, uh, clubs where I worked for. That they put a player from December and in, in one year back, and they said, "Okay, let's see if he's the best over there. And if he's not, then he's not good enough." So you have a player that has been uh, running on his toes like every day, you know, uh, getting out of jewels, make sure that he get, he stays out of jewels and, you know, to manage that. And you expect him within uh, three sessions to be a leader in the team uh, under, you know. Yeah. So the, that those kind, it's like ridiculous to ask it from somebody because the context and the, the way he should approach a certain uh, uh, environment's completely different, and uh, changing that environment makes sure that players will adapt. And if the, and like I think one season is like a really good period to adapt. You know, to, the first three months will be like different, and you need to adjust and and find your way. And uh, it's up to the coaches to to manage that. And I think that's a beautiful process to do. If we would change the cutoff date, it's a beautiful process to make sure that you see that there's like a quarter four player in your team and he's having a hard time and how to help him and to make sure that he connects. And because you know that the year after he'll be a quarter three player, a quarter two, quarter one. Yeah. And to make sure that when he's a quarter one, he's not like you don't have like the the uh, what you have like an elementary school that you have like you have like the the, the first grader, you know, with the big bags. Yeah, you don't want to be the third grader that uh, that throws around the first graders because uh, you was, uh, you know, you was uh, uh, getting uh, getting picked on when you were a first grader, you know. And uh, and I think that's a really interesting process if we would do it in that uh, way. But I understand completely for organizational uh, part that it's hard. So the, the 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 cutoff date for like dividing it into a half a year would be like more uh, more effective okay. okay but yeah then the responsibility is lies with us with coaches yeah i th- yeah, i think the the, the well, organization and, and if yeah. if the context doesn't change then we should be aware okay not on the first let's say when you get a team okay wh- when are these kids born yeah. if, if, small things what's the background we it's our responsibility to deal with this if the, the context doesn't change then we have to do it yeah the, or make a like a play play games with players that are born in the second quarter the yeah, fourth quarter change. within a club you can do everything you want yeah play play uh, play four games a year uh, with players from the that quarter to make sure that they are recognized I think you will pick players from the third team that you will see in that context you're like whoa that will that will happen for sure. You know that's going to be there's the easiest things that every club can do uh, next week. Organize a game with uh, four quarter born players and uh, and 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 try to see where these players are at at your club. I think you'll be astonished by the the game you will see in the context or or play a game with a, cu- a cutoff date of the 1st of uh, July. Just uh, just organize a game day with uh, with the dates. It will you'll be astonished. You will be play you will see players in different contexts you're like, "Wow, is this the same player? I see it every week." Yeah. So that's like the easiest way for every coach that is listening to, to for next year for next week to organize a game in that order and or you'll, maybe, maybe you'll the see first it. step is go to the list of dates of birth maybe you become aware of what kind of group you have yeah and if we are completely full of bullshit then tell us please please but I think we know from research because it's like I think the, the when I prepare the thing the astonishing thing is that it's everywhere it's school it's all sports like you said it's life 
which is which is massive. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Okay, we had a lot of other things to discuss, but Kuhn is already waving four fingers, which means we're almost uh, towards one hour. Um, but um, maybe I want to end with um, uh, with one thing. I actually we didn't discuss it, but I'm going to ask you anyway. You already we already discussed it a little bit during this. Is you work? Um, uh, you are born to play to make it very superficial, which is very individually oriented. You have the same role as at Ed, as Ed, mm-hmm. an individual coach. We didn't even touch upon that, but it's also a role you have. You've seen a lot of clubs. Um, and, uh, well, that's how I know you. We've kind of, well, in the beginning, you you went on a little bit longer. We both started at the grassroots level. We were on the pitch every Sunday at eight, uh, uh, training players, not because we we thought it was thought it was a job, just because we liked it, uh, with some other guys, Donovan, Nathan, uh, and um, uh, you should have some advice for coaches. That's what I was going to based on well, what you've learned, for 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 example, as that or what what you've learned in your own setting with Born to Play or what you learned at Twent or whatever. What's the advice that you have, maybe for for coaches that are starting out? For the individual approach? No, just in general. So what advice should you give to coaches? I think to uh, the, the best advice to give is to uh, lead from the inside. I think that's the, that's the, that's the most uh, important thing. You know, I'm run by my passion. I'm on the pitch every single day of the year. Um, I'm, I'm enthusiastic. I run from that. I need to control that to a certain amount because else I'm doing too much. You know, that's something that I need to control. But that's who I am, and that's who made me for what I do, and that made uh, the organization uh, have, have made sure that it the organization has grown to the to what it is right now, and 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 is grown to what it's going going to become. It's like the passion and the enthusiasm. Uh, and I think I bring that to the to try to bring that to the pitch every day, and uh, yeah, I think if you're doing something different than than what's really inside of you, then you're doing the wrong thing. Okay, just to give some context. How long ago did you start born to play? Uh, 2014. So it's uh, almost uh, next year. It's like a, a 10-year university. Yeah. So uh, it doesn't come over, It doesn't come overnight. No, 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 for sure. And uh, and and listen. In my period, when I was, at, uh, I lived in a small province, of course, in Zeeland, and I was a coach at Yevio uh, Set. It was like the the, prof, the professional team at, uh, and I was on the on the on the bike every morning on half past six, uh, biking for one and a half hour to get to the pitch with uh, Dolf Rox and Dennis and Gerard de Neuer, was like uh, yeah, yeah. Uh, famous coaches in, uh, in in Zeeland, and then I went to the seals, and after the seals, I went, I, I took the train, and I, I went a, to. to the, Seals is a, lo- is a sports academy. Sports academy. Yeah, yeah. And then afterwards, I checked w- which team was coaching and I took the train back to uh, Suburg when, because the under-19 was coaching, uh, was was training. And I watched the session of the under-19s and then I went back. That was all for free. And that was all pure passion. Uh, when I was in my time at PSV, I lived on the headgang. I was there every morning and I went away every evening and I was there with the under nines, but I also went to, to check the, check out the session for the first team. I was with the young asset, I was with the under 17s, I was with the under 19s, I was on the 13s. I was everywhere. I, 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 br- I breathed soccer at that moment because it was my passion and I was enthusiastic about it. And that's what I did uh, ever since that day I was doing that and it's still what I'm doing every day right now. So I think uh, that's something that uh, yeah you cannot force you know I cannot uh, tell my steps I have a stepson from 16 years old and I cannot say come on train and come do this and you know no that it has, has to be, be something within that's yeah, within yeah, you sure. and and just follow follow that that thing that that you feel and just go for it uh, the moment that you feel it yeah I think the best the best thing is there it's hard work and it, it doesn't come by itself when I started I was started a lot later but I was head coach of no, I was coaching, I was head coach of the U8 section at my club, or U9s, it was five teams. I was coaching the U15s at the same time, and I was doing my internship at the U13s. So that was my first year of full coaching. I was on the club every day at four, I left at nine. Uh, Afsay, right? It was Afsay. No, I actually started at DCG. Oh, okay. Yeah, and which is fun, because I, 
well, it wasn't fun, but it was a good school for me because uh, you know Desaghe a little bit. It's like uh, it's the suburbs. They have a lot of Moroccan kids or kids from uh, the Caribbean, Aruba, Suriname, and they they are streetwise. They're, they're some of them, some of them were gangsters, uh, and I was this this naive farmer from the north. <laughs> <laughs> and I remember there was like the U15s and I was coaching them and I was very serious and these guys were like, what the fuck? I, I wasn't in the right, well, it was a very good lesson. And then halfway my team talked, somebody turned off the lights, click, it went dark. I said, guys, come on. Okay, turn it off. And I started talking again, click, light off. What the fuck? <laughs> and that was my first, and I, I just lived in Amsterdam. Uh, and so I learned very fast how to deal with different kinds of kids. Yeah, uh, but it was very helpful because uh, after that, those experiences, it didn't matter who came in the dressing room. I ran the show in the dressing room mm -hmm. because you had to deal with that first. Yeah, if you don't deal with those things, you don't know. No. Uh, and that's also interesting that you can always work at the best facilities, best clubs, but you have to learn it in the basics. Uh, I started coaching the, the, the fifth under 13 team of Zelandia Middelburg. That was my first uh, job as a coach with my, uh, with my, uh, the, a neighbor that, uh, that was a coach as well. He was like three years older than me and I was starting coaching and it was like all ethnicity, uh, all like cultural backgrounds. It was like dark kids, uh, yeah. Asian kids, uh, smart kids, uh, not so smart kids, uh, <laughs> nice kids, uh, not so, uh, not so nice kids. So like really different. And at the end of the year, it became like this certain group that the beginning of the year, that one didn't come, that yeah, one yeah, didn't yeah. come. And at the end of the year, everybody <clears throat> came, they performed pretty well. And I was in the in the dressing room, and I was at the referee, and I was there because we trained really well, actually. And then we were with a ga within a game, and I went to the I went in the dressing room, and uh, and I didn't understand why they didn't re really perform in, within the competition. So I went to the dressing room, and there was like a, a parent coaching them, and they were like, "Who who wants to be captain today?" <laughs> like that, and I was like, "Okay, now I know." <laughs> so, so I said, "How would you? Th uh, is, would it be okay for me to coach them? Uh, you know, yeah, of course it's uh, okay. Uh, you coach them." So I built up the, you know, the, the training session to, to professionally with the board and everything was like 15 years old, and the, the boys that I was coaching were like 12. And uh, prepared everything at home, and uh, no. And then uh, we played a game where we're like second last or something in the competition, and we played the number three, and we won ten to one. Wow! And that was the that was the moment. I'm like your okay. Guardiola moment. Yeah, did, yeah. Did, okay, no, this, I'm, I'm gonna I'm do ready. this the rest of my life. <laughs> <laughs> and then after my period at uh, like knock and uh, and and the fallen dom uh, put my foot on the ground, and I'm I'm pretty sure that it was like. But that's when that started. Like, hey, this is really nice to do, actually. And uh, yeah, cool. th that's how the process started. Cool. I think we should do like a session with a couple of coaches that talk, how did you start out? What were the stories when you first stepped into a dressing room? I think that would be fun. Yeah, for sure. Okay. I, I had one, ki one kid that lived in the same neighborhood as me, and he, he, he would ring my door every day because he didn't have anyone to, to play with. And uh, and I started coaching him actually, and that was it was when I was like twelve or ten, and he would and he was like eight or something, and I coached him. I started coaching him and doing individual stuff, and uh, I think two days, two days, three days a week, and then he went to uh, to JVOZ, and later on he moved to FC Dordrecht, and also okay, cool. almost get a professional career out of that. So that's actually where the individual approach started was with him, with him ringing the door every day that I was there, and sometimes I opened, and sometimes I was like. Hiding <laughs> to, to make sure that uh, nobody was home, you know. So, yeah, cool. Yeah, that was uh, yeah, that's fun. Looking backwards, that's you know, that's how it started. But you don't realize that, of course, no, when no, you're over there. Agree, agree. Okay, cool. Good way to end. Thank you very much, Rido. Yeah, you're welcome. Thank you for listening to this episode of Inside the Coach's Room. Make sure to subscribe or rate us in your favorite podcast player or share this episode on your social media and we will make sure that you will get access to the best webinar that's available on our website. And if you have any questions, feel free to reach out to me on LinkedIn. I would be happy to connect.